The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download their top-rated app. It's the best app on the planet for sports gambling, that is. Uh, and use promo code RTRS when you sign up. And brought to you by Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of The Process, as well as our good friends over at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka right here in Philly, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter, statesidevodka.com. On the show today, I just saw this as I was settling in, an update on the front office changes we were promised almost two months ago. There has been an update. I've seen a tweet. I saw a tweet. We'll talk about that. Uh, Doc Rivers introduced his head coach of the Sixers. Um, and then in the mailbag, who is the best Sixers starting lineup if there are no trades at all and finding a nickname for the current front office? Oh, and there was a picture of Ben Simmons shooting. Um, before we get going, Corner 3 Newsletter comes out Thursday at noon. Sign up. Takes from Alonzo. T-shirt giveaways. Special merch promo codes. Um, naked pictures of Mike. It is the, the newsletter is chock full. So go to writesterikisanchez.com slash newsletter and sign up. Um, sign up for me. Sign up for you. Sign up for Alonzo. It is brought to you by the by Stateside Vodka. Uh, I'm finally picking up. I know I keep saying this, but I'm finally picking up the Alonzo shirts on Friday. Very excited. Going to drive up to where is Cold Cuts in Hatfield, PA. Uh, brought to you by Stateside Vodka, Philly's number one craft spirit, handcrafted, distilled seven times, certified gluten-free, available in the Magnum 1.75 liter bottles stock up for football weekends it's getting cool out settle in at home have a drink indoors at your own home uh available at your local fine wine and good spirit stores uh liquor stores in delaware liquor stores in jersey and at statesidevodka.com they do do home delivery in the philly five county area statesidevodka.com please drink responsibly without any further ado amos and the chef Welcome to the Rice of Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy waiting with bated breath for this new news from the tweet about the Sixers front office. That is Mike oh, yeah, Levin. Huge, huge update. Are, are you ready? They're hiring interns. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Scott O'Neill uh, interviews. You have to interview with Scott O'Neill. No. Here we go. Here's the update. I just saw this literally three minutes before we started from our very own your own Weitzman, author of Tanking to the Top, uh, that only has two chapters about us, should have been more. A Sixers front office update. The team has begun interviewing candidates to serve in, a, in an executive role under GM Elton Brand, according to league sources. Mike, 
your comments. Yeah, that's that's what I meant by intern. Yeah, <laughs> an executive intern. Yeah, I mean, who, under Elton Brand could mean a lot of things. Mm. It could be new chefs. It could be. Could be new chefs. Uh, it could mean physically under Elton Brand. They could have him at a very high desk. <laughs> that's cool. Sitting beneath him. Like that. I don't know anything. Architecturally, at, anything at this point seems absurd, and for show, right? I mean, yeah. The only yeah. the only meaningful thing they could get rid of now. I mean, like it does seem that uh, Rucker and Cohen are out of the decision making. Like they were not in the coach interviews, um, and neither was Scott O'Neill. The only meaningful thing that I think could happen in the Sixers, like grand front office structure, is something with Scott O'Neill at this point, right? I would agree with that. You know, um, cutting out the Colangelo guys is a good idea, but they seem cut out at this point, whether they're getting paid or not. I, I count Scott O'Neill as a Colangelo guy. Mm. Not brought Maybe in like by Colangelo, big... but but a part of that nasty crew of losers. Sort of, I feel like sort of used as a stepping stone mm-hmm. has certainly grown in his capacity by, you know, sucking up to Jerry Colangelo. Yep. Um. I, I wouldn't now you tell me if you disagree, but mm-hmm. I will. If what I is there to how how I feel like Scott O'Neill is a guy in the who likes to be like sort of puppet mastering in the shadows. I wouldn't uh-huh. say that he wasn't involved in the coaching search he wasn't. and all that stuff. He wasn't it, officially it, wasn't. As, as I, I think I I think I have good information when I tell you that he was not involved. Now I cannot be sure that Josh Harris and David Blitzer didn't go to Scott O'Neill at some point and say, what do you think? But I know he wasn't part of the interview process at all. Man, that'd be like LL going to me to ask what I thought of like an office redesign. Like it just doesn't matter. I couldn't be less equipped to handle that. Why are you asking Scott O'Neill about coaching? He doesn't fucking know. How could he fucking know? Well, I guess they figure, well, he knows better than us. Sure. (laughs) Sure. That's all they're looking for is people that know better than I guess. Yeah. I mean, what an embarrassing organization that like they they've surrounded themselves with just like wildly mediocre people just because they, you know, they themselves find themselves mediocre. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, fi- I mean, it's a bummer. Like Doc Rivers is a good coach. Like he's a, a legendary coach. Um, one of the. I think eleventh all time in wins. So if if he's here for a long time, he 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 got signed to what four years, five years? Five what years. was it? Then he'll like you know keep rising up the ranks and be one of the top ten to five uh, winningest coaches ever. I asked Sixers yeah. Adam what the odds were that he finishes all five years. What do you think? Yeah. What are the official um, DraftKings not official odds? I would, I would take it. I would take the odds that he does. Five years. Um. Yeah. Hmm. I think that I mean I, I think maybe the team can be sold by that point. Who knows? But man, maybe maybe he's the new Brett, where like everything gets changed around him and he just stays. Well, yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah. maybe he's the owner of the team. <laughs> he just wakes. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, whatever. There know. you go. Yeah. I, I don't want to. I want to get to the other stuff. I don't want to do too much on this. I they yeah, he's got to be gone. I I don't I I don't need the blood of. The Colangelo guys, I need to know that they're not involved in it. But I do, like, even if them being close is bad in that um, they may know things and 
tweet them out under burner accounts. Who knows? I I I do think they need something fresh and new. Um, right. But I mean, we're just like I'm. We're obviously a process over results uh, kind of people. Mm. Um, Not in this case. But why? Like why? But both are bad. Like yeah. both the process and the results are bad almost always. Yeah. And so I don't know what they're looking at that they're like, why wouldn't you just want to, even if, even if like people had the best intentions, sometimes you're just like, you know what? This has gone wrong. Like Mm -hmm. we are in a place where you look at the Sixers and go, you know what? They still have, and this is why Doc came here, as we'll get to, Mm -hmm. they still have Embiid and Simmons, two of the, you know, they won 65% of the games they both play in. Two of the brightest young stars in the league on the same team. Unique players. I think that's a winning team. I want to be there. But that's the same exact thing you could say you could have said four years ago. Right. And like not that it hasn't gotten better or, you know, savvier since then. Yeah. And so why why if you're the owners, would you look around and go, like, yeah, we feel good about this? Like, if 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 these owners told themselves four years ago, hey, this is what it's going to look like. They'd be like, well, that can't happen. I need to get in the way of that. I need to stop. But like, here we are. And they're, and they're essentially saying, it's probably fine. Let's just like, you know, mess around with the deck chairs a little bit. Put a Doc Rivers on there. Everything else, we're, we're really good with it. Like, I, I really don't understand how you can be so visibly in an embarrassment of an organization that people league-wide are looking at you and going like, that's a shit show. Like They're, Sacramento's looking at you like that's a shit show. The Knicks are looking at you like that's a shit show. Like all these places are like not a chance. Don't want to go there. No thanks. Yeah. Or they were like, I want to go there because uh, I think as mentioned in the Kyle Newbeck article, like they feel like they can game it to <laughs> like just continue to hoard power and, and yep. you know cl- climb up the ladder uh, as some sort of like very clunky Game of Thrones. <laughs> And I well, a I Titanic just, I just don't, and a Game of Thrones. Go, is yeah, there it's a all third? the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the same. I I just don't know. These people like theoretically have are like vain and and feel a lot of, you know, um, pressure from their contemporaries to be seen as like a good business person and a savvy guy. And I, I don't know why you look around and be like, everyone's talking about me behind my back. It's fine. It's probably fine. <laughs> like, why is that the answer? I don't understand. I can't put myself in They're that messing place. around with the deck chairs as they head toward a glacier full of money. That's why they're, they're, just, they're just... I guess. Yeah. But that, that'd be like saying, like, well, we can't trade Howell Neto because all the money we made from the team. It's like he's not relevant to it. <laughs> they don't, they That's don't know. irrelevant. Well, that's why they like Scott, because they think he is relevant for the money. Jesus Christ. So Doc Rivers did do his introductory press conference. Um, I I took some quotes from uh, Sixers Adams' article, some topics from Sixers Adams' article, and uh, some transcriptions from Mr. Kyle Newbeck, who you just— you just mentioned. I feel like the first one, first quote I want to get to is the um, is the last one I have listed here. And someone asked him. I don't know what the question was about the, the him and Elton. Uh, you know the, the process of of the front office and who's making decisions and so on and so forth. Because I think the question had something to do with the collaborative effect didn't work. Yada yada yada. 
his response, Doc Rivers' response, and I, I, I'm going to bring this back to ownership. He goes, we'll work together. That's one of the things that was so exciting about this job, to have that opportunity with Elton. I think we have a chance to build something great here, not just on the court. I actually think it starts off the court, and we have to get that part right. So that's exciting. I think Elton and I will form an amazing partnership together and we'll grow from there. Now, a coach saying all of this is fine, but I do think that Elton asked for personnel control and they said no. And he was like, well, I had a try. But then they were, go- but then they said something. It's ver- Doc, Doc asked for personnel. Yeah, what did I say? Elton. Elton, yeah. Doc asked for personnel control and they said no. But then I bet they said, by the end of watching the finals game, yeah, like we're not going to give you the title, but you're gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna be you and Elton, basically. Like their amb- ambiguous leadership structure, I believe. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think it's very likely that their ambiguous leadership structure just got a coach without an official personnel title, who also is part of the 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 personnel selection. So why not? Because I've seen a lot of coaches say, you know, I respect Elton. I, like the response is I'm, ha- I'm excited to work with Elton. I respect Elton. I think they're going to do the right things. Obviously I'll give my input, but I'm the coach. Elton is the GM. Yada, yada, yada. But that is not what he said. So, yeah. I mean, I, if you're going to sign a guy who's won a championship, who's had as much success, like, there's no way I just this is what you get. Like I think they they got the win of not like listing him as, you know, director of player personnel. And so he will have, you know, like most I would say uh of the upper crust coaches in the league, he will have a lo- a good healthy amount of say in 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 who and who he wants and who he gets and stuff. Who do we think the um who would you say the f- four or five like elite coaches are in the NBA? Um Popovich, uh, Pop Kerr probably. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's the like off off the beaten path guys like, you know, uh Terry Stotts and uh Carlisle that people think don't get enough credit. Carlisle, maybe. Um, um, Spolster, I think you have to add at this point. Stevens? No. Do you think nope. that Doc Rivers, do you think that those guys have the same thing that Doc Rivers, you think, has? Yeah. Okay. That's my, I mean, that's my read on it. I think, uh, I think especially, you know, especially Elton, Doc was a coach when Elton was a player, mm-hmm. and so Doc probably feels like, a bit of a mentor to Elton, uh, at least a little. Maybe I don't well, know. Doc how, was what a their player relation. when Elton was a player. If we're, I mean, what was he? Wait, actually, no. Did El- Elton came out in '99? Okay, and Doc played to like '95 or '96, something, something like that. Like that. Yeah. Okay. And so I think, I think, uh, not knowing their their history together, I would guess it's like, hey, here's a guy who was a player and is now in the front office, like. And he's and he's young and it's his first thing and now I'm going to come in there and I, I have some wisdom to share with him and, and you know Doc's a guy that's confident in himself, so I think it'll be like yeah I mean we'll we'll talk about it and we'll hash it out and we'll disagree about stuff but ultimately like you know we're both go, gun, gunning for the same thing, and okay. so 
I, I don't I don't know that. I think Doc feels probably feels like if I really want something, I can get my way. Yes, that'd be my guess. That is a, a that, and I think that is different than those other guys you mentioned. I don't N- not Popovich, think- but I don't think I don't think Rick Carlisle or Eric Spolstra or uh, or I disagree. Actually, I, I think mm. I think for the most part, coaches that 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 get into that top tier level uh, feel like they're the ones seeing the basketball, and they can you know throw their weight around a little bit, especially if they're if they've had success like. Like Spolstra, like Carlisle, like Kerr have. I respectfully uh, disagree on that one. I, I think they all have strong enough people above them that that have a hammer. And I think the difference is not that Doc has more. I believe that the difference is that the Sixers front office, in this case Elton, has less, if that makes any sense. Sure. You know? Yeah, I hear that. Um, okay. So the other things he said, um, I, I believe that these two are less important. Uh, but whatever. Uh, he talked about using Tobias Harris in high pick and roll because of Tobias Harris's half of good season with Doc doing that. Um, he said he believes Horford and Embiid can play together. Um, I actually believe they can play together a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's again, it's not... They just need more guys that can dribble and shoot quick. Like, look at... Brief, brief interlude to talk about the Lakers. Hmm. Because I worry that the Sixers are looking at this this Lakers success and going like, "Oh, we can play with three big guys at once." Yeah, yeah. we can do this. Like, we can do this. We were look how close we actually were, and what you know, everyone says that we suck, and actually we're good. Yeah. We're actual like basically like twin champions, like long lost twin. We're like the Lakers' long lost twin. Until you do the math and you realize that one of the Lakers guys is LeBron. <laughs> yeah, one of the Lakers yeah. is LeBron. That helps. Yeah. Um, but I would also say like, yeah, and and look at the Lakers and how easily they sort of just like assembled their roster with guys who are willing to do what it takes and like how poorly you guys did that. Like right. how like utterly you failed to do almost the easiest thing, which is get guys who will – space the floor and shoot and penetrate a little bit. Um, and while they're looking at the other locker room and seeing, well, that's Jimmy Butler. I remember him. Uh, it's, I guess he's better than we thought, but it just seems like, I, I mean, we've been saying this for years now for most of my life at this point, um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that like the Sixers were so, well set up for success. Literally like a quarter of your life. <laughs> it's most of it. I can't even, I don't even know how old I am anymore. I don't know how long we've been doing this podcast. But like they've been they're so set up for success and all we have to do is just like, this is just like a little, 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 little like icing on the cake. And instead of icing on the cake, they put like orange juice. Yeah. <laughs> dumped orange juice all over the cake. And they're like, orange and juice like, that's is good, a- right? No, that's not, they don't go together. Yeah. Those are different. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it should be easier than they've made it, and just r- remarkably over and over again, they haven't. Before we get to the rest of the Doc Rivers quotes, uh, the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, speaking of the finals, some some finals odds. So, obviously, LA up three games to one. Game uh, five is, uh, what is Friday. it? Friday. Friday. Um, Heat are plus seven in that game. Uh, mm. If you want to bet, uh, 
series odds, Heat are plus 2,200 to win. Lakers are minus 10,000. There you go. <laughs> um, so probably not a lot of money to be made there. Yeah, it feels like a stay away. So they have game props, you know, whether the, the game's going to go to OT. You can bet the quarter. You can bet live, uh, all that kind of stuff. And, of course, football. We're heading into uh, week five of football. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. That's where you bet. Um, it It's getting even better with football. You got to sign up now. This is for new users. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use, use promo code RTRS giving all new users the chance to receive a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. On top of that, DraftKings, great odds boost every Sunday to help you make it rain. That's right. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. So sign-up bonus up to $1,000, special odds boost every Sunday. Just go to the if, – if you look at the, the bottom of the app, you know, I'm trying to direct you around the app. There's a thing called uh, promos. You can go there for the promotions. And then right – in the middle, when you go into the app, there's odds boosts. Right now, it's right next to MLS, odds boosts. So go there. Uh, football isn't for you. DraftKings give in basketball fans 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. Safe, secure, reliable. When you want to deposit, goes right away. When you want to withdraw, goes right away. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code RTRS when you sign up. Get up to $1,000 uh, that's code RTRS to get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each, <clears throat> each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, some other quotes from Doc Rivers. I spent a lot of time with Red Auerbach, who used to tell me and drill it in my head, if they can't do it, don't do it. Stay away from it. Do something else. Create an action. If you're not a great shooting team, create more movement. Increase your speed. Play from different spots. So sort of a, a reaction to the funky makeup of the team. Uh, and obviously you have to see Ben Simmons in there too, him saying that. So says the right thing. Obviously, play to the team's strengths. I don't I don't know how you do that with this particular um like what we thought was it was like the bully ball team, but that's not what they are. So I don't I don't know how you play to this team's strengths. How would you say that you even do that? Um, with this with this particular roster. Put the ball just like sort of place the ball high up on the backboard and make like the other sort of like John Morant try to jump for it like over and over again, sort of bad at it like a cat. Well, John Morant would get it before Horford would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but not if Horford stood on Embiid's shoulders. Mm, good point. Um, and then finally, accountability. You have to hold your star players accountable because the more accountable they will be with you and toward you, then the more accountable you can hold the rest of the team. And I think that's one of the key things when you're coaching stars. This misnomer that stars don't want to be coached is not true. I think stars absolutely want to be coached. They want to be coached. They want to get better. They want to learn as well. They've done a lot of winning, but we want to be the winner. Winning is great, but being the winner is the best. That's what we're going to try to do. Now, there's a little irony in that the report after Doc Rivers left is that the two stars were not being held accountable. (laughs) And the other players were. So, um, but 
uh, Kawhi Leonard certainly has a different um, place in the league than Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid do. So I don't know. I hope. I don't know. I I'm having a tough time caring bringing myself to give a shit i yeah. it, right like i know yeah. it's weird it's like here the new coach we've had brett for seven years there's a, a framed photo of me you and brett that brett signed on my desk which is very nice it's also a, f- a photo of uh john gonzalez colleen wolf and their dogs with santa on my desk hmm. what does that mean i don't know i don't but, have one of those uh, any of them being the coach of the sixers yeah. would not change the fact that the sixers organization is a you know shit show yeah it's and, a clusterfuck um, and so I, I think I think if you sort of like trim the fat of the front office or at least distill it down, even if it was like just Elton, even if it's like Elton is deciding things, he gets information funneled to him. Like obviously it's not he's the only one in the front office. Everyone, everyone else should be fired. It should be Elton in like a big, a big house all by himself sort of running around knocking things over. Uh, like some sort of like kid, you know, Home Alone 7, Elton, Elton Brand, <laughs> Home Alone in the front office. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, if he's the ultimate, like, Ordering hey, we trust Elton to make the de- – Yeah, yeah anything. Him. All the – getting making his tummy hurt because he's eating too many cookies. Um, if he's the one making the decisions, we trust Elton. We want him to, like, you know, make the team in his image, whatever. Um, then I think that it is doable. I think it is not hard to get there um, to build a cohesive – team structure but i just don't trust the organization to like see anything through because they get so easily duped into doing things that they shouldn't and uh are easily distracted like the cat that i referenced earlier um it's i don't know it's but ultimately it'll come down to a couple a couple like apt acquisitions trading josh richardson for like a, a guy who can dribble and shoot a little quicker even if they're worse on defense um, and then Ben and Embiid like really buying in. It's, I mean, it's got to be that. The uh, earlier couple days ago, uh, Angelo asked me at work what I thought of the Rivers hire, and I was like, I don't know, it's fine. And he was like, You don't like it? I was like, It's not that I don't like it. It's that I just it's so it's so not high on my priority list. I don't even know how to express it to you that like it's fine. It's not a bad hire. It's a fine hire. The problem is who hired him. Like, and that's not a radio answer. Spike. No, 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 not at all. But I, I what I, I told him was, and this was off air. I was like, I was like the, but I did say, and you, you compared it to Girardi, the notion that he will be like this one man accountability fest is just not, or one man winter fest is not like proven out by history like that account what part of the reason that like coaches who coaches who are able to hold their players quote-unquote accountable like this respect is that there's a backing of like the front office like it starts top down it's not like eric spolster just demands respect it's the fact that pat riley demands respect and has Eric Spolster's back in things. It's like an organizational thing. And it can't just be the coach saying, don't do this, you know? Um, so whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wonder if El- if Elton and Doc are, like, enough of a... Like, Elton has proved himself in this league. Mm-hmm. Doc has proved himself in this league as a player and a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... If that's enough to be like, hey, th- we're we know that things have not gone as well as we want them to, and we're and we're saying that's on all of us. Like, if there's 
Like that's what I would do if I was if I was running this organization, and I'm sure that there's been various kinds of things at all times. But I would try to sit down with the players and coaches, and front office staff, and be like, "Hey, like we gotta f- make this fucking work. Yeah. Like we we or at least maybe not all the players. Like Matisse doesn't need to be there, but like the rel- like Ben and Joe and like Tobias and Al, whatever. Like, hey, we need to make this work. We want to. We want this is this is the team." And we're gonna fill it out, and we're gonna make we're gonna make guys get some guys who can do a couple more things. But like, we need everybody to buy in. This is what we all want. Like, it will be better for all of us if we fucking do this together. And I maybe I'm maybe I, I'm the guy that can always think a wine trip to Napa and a, and a really healthy boardroom meeting could uh, solve everybody's personality disputes. Um, but if if they can like get get on the same page and just be like. Hey, we all want the fucking same thing, so let's work our asses off and get there. And you know, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know either. Uh, did you- I just want it to work so bad because we've spent so much time giving a fuck about this team, and they have not done a good job of earning that of us. And it makes me feel stupid. I, End I, 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 no, no, no. I, 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 I was, I was starting to talk. I, I understand what you're feeling, like. A lot of times caring about them makes me feel like an idiot. Yeah. You know, because it's just like like going back to in a relationship where they've cheated on you seven times and they're wearing a t shirt with the person that they're cheating with you on. You know, like oh hey. At least put on a different t shirt. <laughs> That's all you have to do. I'll be happy if you put on a different t shirt. <laughs> Before we get to uh, relationship advice, did you see the Ben Simmons Instagram where he was shooting a jump shot? <laughs> I didn't actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a, a three-picture Instagram. Uh, Alex Super's working overtime, and the second picture is him following through on a jump shot. And I just wanted. Okay. To, we're we're here. We go. Here we go. And, can Super's dribble? Yes, I bet he can. Just just sign him. <laughs> Veterans minimum. Super's is the new Neto. Oh, before we get to relationship advice, we got a lot of tweets about the fact that. Zoomoff is going to call Doc Rivers Glenn. Yeah. I I, I, I was going to bet on that. I, was, I well, thought we were about to wager something, and then he moved on, and I was like, okay. I, I, I would have paid the wager if we had bet, but what I didn't count on is some sort of, like, cowardly stunt where Doc Rivers <laughs> allows him to do it. Like, wow. A cowardly I, stunt. Well, no, 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 no. I When we were talking about it, the way I had it framed in my mind was, like, Zumoff is just going to do this, you know, like he's he's going to sort of stand up for it. But Doc Rivers going, nah, call me Glenn. There's only one Doc in Philly is like, OK, I, I just that's not what I was talking about. Would have paid the bet. I was wrong. But that's not not the way I saw it. So wow. always finds a way to worm his way out of everything, I, doesn't he? Folks? I'm just saying it, I wasn't expecting some sort of like sad stunt where <laughs> sad. <laughs> That's it. It's not what I was expecting. It's not what I was expecting. All right. Uh, Brian Colangelo relationship advice. I keep my heart under my pillow with my teeth and other lies. I've been waiting on your halo just to shine the light. Just to shine. Thank you to Eliza Hardy-Jones of The Ricky for allowing us to use her song for relationship advice. Now, we've had two relationship advice um, questions for a while. I'm going to – there's one about 
having a ball pit in your living room. And I'm just gonna keep pushing that one back because it doesn't seem as urgent as this one. So this one comes from Anonymous. Hey guys, this past year, I met, became friends, and got increasingly close with someone in my senior year of college. It became pretty clear to me halfway through the year that I had feelings for her and wanted something more. She had just broken up with someone earlier in the year, so I figured it wasn't right to make a move so fast. When COVID hit, we were all asked to leave campus quickly, which made it hard to have any closure with anyone. I figured I would try to use quarantine as a time to get over her, graduate, and move on. However, I still consider her a friend and stayed in touch with this person. We even got closer since March. Recently, she admitted that she misses the guy she broke up with last year, and she is feeling conflicted about trying to make things work again. Obviously, this is frustrating to me, but I still feel conflicted. I guess my question is this. How do I try to balance wanting to continue to be friends and be supportive of someone I have feelings for when she might not feel the same way, even when it feels like the only way to actually move on is to talk with her at a much lower rate and risk losing a relationship I care about and want to maintain. Do you want to go or do you want me to go? Sure. I mean, it's tough. It's tough that, uh, first of all, sorry that your senior year got uh, so screwed up by this. That is a, it's a real uh, bummer. It's bad and sad and, you know, everybody's dealing with uh, all their own anxiety and depression and all that good stuff. So mm-hmm. I hope that uh, you're doing okay. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, I feel like this is a, you know, this is a common thing. You know, you like somebody that uh, doesn't like you back, like, you know, the Sixers liking uh, winning basketball and mm-hmm. not, and winning basketball and not liking you back. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like everybody has to deal with that in their own way in the sense of, you know, can you put your feelings aside or or do you have to, like, just come out and say it and take your shot, respect the other's wishes, and, you know, go on from there? Because the idea of, like, res- starting to resent them for, you know, living their life is, is not a healthy way to do it anyway. But, like, my sister... Um, had a had a guy that she was good friends with. All of a sudden, be like, "Hey, I can't be friends with you anymore mm-hmm. because I'm." That's like it, it happens, and it sucks, and it, it's a bummer. But like, uh, you know, it's better to I would say cut it off now than making it worse for everybody or resenting or holding that against them or anything. Yeah, I'm gonna tough love it a little bit here and say that like, you. I'm not saying your the relationship as a friend doesn't mean anything to you, but. I'm not saying that, uh, that that is not true. But what I am saying is there is a, a large part of you that feels like if you just wait around long enough, she'll figure it out. You cannot do that because the advice that you get, first of all, if she is in another relationship, the advice that you give her is always compromised by how you feel. And you're going to grow increasingly frustrated. It's going to prevent you from living the rest of your life, like for looking for somebody who maybe is interested in you. Sometimes people are telling you how they feel very obviously and you just don't feel like dealing with it. Um, I, I would just say that like she had her chance. She did not, she does not seem to feel the way that you feel. If, if you can't kick that, I, like it doesn't seem to me that being friends with her is going to do anything that cause you both sort of like harm. And, and in the end, you're going to end up saying it to her and she's going to look back at this last like year or six months or whatever when you were acting like you were just friends and she's going to look at you like you were being dishonest with her. Um, so I would 
I would really seriously consider what the pluses and minuses are of actually staying in this friendship. Um, and, and look, in your farewell, in, in your like you said with your sister, if you go, I can't be friends with you because I'm in love with you. And she goes, I, I was in love with you too. I just didn't know. Then boom, then win. Then it's fine. Then you'll find out. So it gives you a chance to get your feelings out and then also be fair to both of you. That's my, my advice on it. And the Brian Colangelo part of Brian Colangelo relationship advice is, you know, operating burner accounts, mm-hmm. tweeting at her excessively, <laughs> throwing other people under the bus. Uh, so that's also a path you can take here. That's actually a really good, really good point. Um, I, I don't know what to say with this. I just want to bring it up with the, the finals ratings being like horrible. Um, I, I actually, it's funny, like without even television without even like looking at the ratings i can sort of tell from my twitter timeline that less people are watching it um like when butler had that 40 point triple double the other night i think i got like three tweets at me and i was like oh (laughs) this is this should be a a terrible night for me and it's not at all um everybody wants to it seems like it's funny like people do with this what they did the thing they do with everything right now either it's the woke NBA has ruined their ratings by putting Black Lives Matter on the court. That is one side. Or the other side is, this isn't happening. Everybody's just watching it on Reddit streams. TV doesn't matter. Um, the truth is, like, there's a lot of, diff- to me, there's a lot of different reasons for this. First of all, going up against football, normally yeah. the NBA finals are... Going up against every other sport at the same time. Yeah. The NBA finals are normally happening when baseball is in its most boring time, I think you would yeah. say, like June. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and football is football is completely dead in June, you know. Yeah. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is that, like, I, I do feel like on some level, like as as like over the top socially conscious as they've been definitely has effect on some people. Even people that agree with it, I think, are just like they come to entertainment for entertainment not for these other things. It doesn't make what the NBA has done wrong. Sometimes you have to sacrifice um, money or, or ratings or whatever to do the right thing. And, and you could argue that they've done that. Um, I think just it happening at a different time of year than people are used to is another thing. And I do think there is something to the fact that like for several years now, you know, I, I think as much player movement as there is, the NFL is different, right? Because the NFL, it's really about like the 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 logo that people are fans of. Um, it's it's less about the players because there's so many of them and they've always changed so often. The NBA, like you grow attachments to players, and the more that like players move around, um, and like I, I just think there's a less of an attachment to the the teams, and there's less identity to teams, and it does sort of feel like LeBron being on the Lakers if it happened 20 years ago would be a lot more meaningful than it is today um would have been a lot more stunning like I I was you're not old enough for this but I remember when Wayne Gretzky went to the Kings and that was like a fucking massive story and it didn't feel massive that LeBron went to the Lakers it was just like sort of like oh LeBron went to another team so I just don't I don't think the storylines are quite as interesting as they were and I don't think They've they've invested so heavily in storylines that the basketball is as important to people as it was because this ratings thing has been happening for a number of years. You know they've been declining for a number of years. So 
just sort of my thought on it. I don't know if you felt any way on it. I don't mm-hmm. uh, care. I know that's sort of the prevailing uh, thing. I know that people working for the NBA probably have to care um, well, in watching the sport. Yeah, it's, it's I, a reflection I, on how much people like watching the games which is important i don't i don't necessarily agree with that i think uh how could it i think well because of the current especially if you're talking about the current year if you're saying it's been going down for multiple years i do think people are just like not watching tv as much regularly and watching things on their phones and just like seeing highlights and stuff um i i have no idea about the about the you know black lives matter if people if that's turning people off okay i I don't know what to say about that or who, what the kinds of people that would be turned off. I love basketball, but now that they think that Black Lives Matter, I'm, I'm not going to watch anymore. Well, Fine, whatever. I, I think there is um, something to, and I don't think it's a large portion of it, but I, I, I think there's something to like wanting to escape when you're watching entertainment. And if you are bombard, like people are, it's a tense world, you know, and it's been a, a very tense six to seven months. And I think that there's an expectation for some people that when they go and they um, watch something that is entertainment, that they, it's the same reason, dude, when I went to a, a Rage Against the Machine concert, you know, uh, 22 years ago at, and they started talking about Mumia Abu Jamal, like the crowd just started like booing and like walking away. They, I think they just wanted to go to a concert. You know, I, I think it was less about the case and more about the fact that like, will you just play the fucking songs that I want? So sure. I, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. Again, I don't, I've, I haven't heard, I don't know anyone specifically that stopped watching the NBA because of that. I, that I'm not saying they don't exist. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I just don't know them. Um, like, it's not, it's not like Marcus Smart is running down the court, like, just like screaming statistics out there <laughs> during the game. Like, there's still, the game is still the game. You're right. And if you don't want to, like, tune into any sort of uh, meaningful conversation that just, like, show up when, like, put it on mute until the ball tips and it's like okay like yeah. there there you go i don't i don't think it's that i don't think it's that in, invasive if if you know if having black lives matter on the court which is like the the smallest gesture they can really make uh if that offends you so much like all right whatever um i will say that the WNBA ratings have have gone up year to year that's pretty cool um yeah i mean i think i think it's mostly just cuz there's a lot of sports on right now and i think the nba stopping like once the season was already pretty decided for as far as playoff teams and non-playoff teams and then sort of like starting back up, I think it was like people already kind of checked out and they're, they're, they didn't get to have that. Like the other sports got to have the like, hey, baseball's starting. Hey, football's starting. It's new. But whereas basketball was like, didn't we already like we already did that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I think it's, I don't know. Or maybe, I don't know. Maybe just the Sixers fucked it up for everybody. That that's the most likely scenario. Could have been that. Uh, the real question is: Is there somebody they can sue? And the only person who will have an answer for that is our sponsor, Adam Kornblau. Kornblau and Kornblau, the official law firm of the process. No one has been physically injured, but I think Kornblau could answer whether mental injury is part of this. You know, a personal injury lawsuit. Whether you've been, you know, mentally injured by this, and I think. Uh, whether the ratings have mentally injured you. Um, Kornblau has had season tickets in his family since Sean Bradley was drafted. This is a a true thing. Um, Has been a sponsor of the Ricky for two years now, maybe three years. Um, Has helped 
a ton of rights, Ricky Sanchez listeners with um, not just personal injury lawsuits, but any sort of legal issue they have. He's a friend to the community. Now, the special, they, they specialize at Cornblow and Cornblow in personal injury, specialize in medical malpractice, been doing that for 40 years with enormous results. Uh, but dude, if you're having a problem with a landlord, you're having a problem with your insurance company, you're having a problem with a, a jeweler who ripped you off. I'm just kidding. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have that because you went to LL. But if you're having a problem with any of those things, get that to Cornblow. If you have been hurt at work, slip and fall, uh, car, car accident, um, medical malpractice, do not just like shrug it off and say whatever and move on. No, 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 no. If you've been injured, if you've been in an accident, call Cornblow or email them. doesn't cost you anything. Um, 215-576-7200, ask for Adam. Or email cornblau at cornblau and cornblau.com. Cornblau spelled with a K uh, and in that email address is spelled A-N-D. And the rest? Up to you. Uh, cornblau and Cornblau, official law firm of the process. A couple of mailbag questions. <clears throat> Lorenzo Brown mailbag. Send us email questions. Sanchez at gmail.com. From Joe. Thanks for not shutting all this down despite how bleak the Sixers' future looks. I'm halfway through my bar exam. It's normally in July, but it was pushed back twice into the first week of October due to COVID-19. And throwing an episode on to wind down after studying with some back-and-forth Sixers banner was amazing. Seriously, thank you. Now the questions. Basketball question. Ben Dietrich said recently that the best current starting five is Shake, Matisse, Ben, Horford, and Joel. After double-checking that I hadn't finally gone crazy— I looked at the thread to see his explanation. It still didn't make any sense. So how wrong has Ben? And if there are no moves beyond fringe minimum guys and at least two of our three best draft picks, who is your ideal starting lineup? I I really, they have to trade. Somebody. Josh is the easiest one to trade. Yeah. He's really, I, I think trading Horford or trading Tobias, you would have to just take back bad stuff and have to give up good stuff to get off of that. And so I I have no, I have really very limited interest in doing that. Maybe Elton or maybe somebody's so desperate to get rid of something that it ends up working out. I I really I have a tough time seeing that. So I have to assume Tobias and Al are here next season. Josh Richardson, who I like, should not be here next season. Just like can't have a guy who can't get to the rim and doesn't shoot well and doesn't shoot quickly. Um, so if you trade Josh for, say, Seth Curry, some anything, something, something like that. Not like a world beater. I'm not asking for like the best player in the league, but like something like that where um, a guy who can shoot and dribble a little bit, then that person is your starting point guard. Uh, I would probably do Shake at the two and then Ben and Tobias and Joel and bring Horford and Matisse off the bench. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, they have to trade Josh Richardson, to your point. They just, yeah. they have to. Not because he can't be on the team, not because they couldn't use a player like him, but because he's the only thing that has, like, a hopefully positive value to get what they need. Yeah. Um, and he's expiring, and that would be appealing to teams that are, you know, suffering or wanting to cut payroll because of the pandemic. I don't want to say suffering. Um, well, so if that's the, if that's the case, then. You could get like a better player that fits more, that's here for more years. I don't think ten million dollars expiring is attractive. I if you have somebody for like three years, thirty six or something, and you're like, I don't want to fucking pay this, 
he's maybe better than Josh Richardson. I don't want to pay him. Mm. I don't know. That, that seems like one of the levels of contract that will be attractive. But I don't know. Who knows? Um, non-basketball question. If, if you're trading him to a team that wants to tank or something, you know, like Oklahoma yeah. City maybe. Non- or, or I don't think teams are thinking, I want to tank. Mm-hmm. They might be thinking, like, we can still be good while even while doing this move that I'm primarily doing because of money, but convincing myself it's also because of basketball. That's like fair. That kind of yep. Thing. Uh, non-basketball question is, my girlfriend and I have had a dog for about seven months now, Toby, on the Process Pups page. We've always wanted a second dog, but have gotten pushback from friends and family say, that say two dogs in the city would be too hard, and overall, two dogs are harder to take care of than one. Barring less space in the house, we couldn't disagree more with the latter point. Once you have one dog, isn't another dog much? Is an, another dog isn't much more work? What do you think? I've, uh, I've never, I've never had two dogs. Yeah, I've only had the one, um, and we don't have a dog in my apartment because we're not allowed to, and it's also a s- small space, which mm-hmm. is a bummer. Um, I would say if you want that second dog, freaking get that second dog. Sure. I don't agree that having two dogs is just like having one dog. If you had two of the exact same dog, it would be just like one dog. But let me point out to you, they might not be on the same bathroom schedule. They might not like walking together. They might not like the same length of walk. They one like, but like, it's just, I've said this a bunch of times and I will say it again. People walking one dog look like they're having a nice little walk. People walking two dogs look like parents on vacations with young children. It's it's just not the same. Sure, it depends it depends if they're big or small. Yeah. Like I've we've taken care of again John and Colleen's dogs, Dasher and Blitzen, who are great, um great with each other, are on all the same schedules and do mm-hmm. like all the same things because Dasher is the alpha. Um, and Blitzen is the sweetest dog of all time and will do whatever anyone says to do. Um, but they don't like other dogs. And so it's you have to factor that in. And now you got two pretty big dogs sort of like dragging you places. Um, and so I think it, I think it depends on the, the size situation. And I, I would say that if you train them well, then one of them, you, they will like, they will get on the same schedule and like, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Train Easier said than done. Sure, for sure. From AJ, uh, hey guys, no questions here, just a suggestion. I think you should have a segment of the pod called the Brett Brown Hot Seat. Could be a hot take segment, could be anything. I just think it would be a solid way to commemorate Brett. Well, I have to uh, turn my air conditioning off when we do the podcast, so every <laughs> podcast is the Brett Brown Hot Seat in my chair. I, I do as well. I don't want to make it sound like you're the only one who does that. <laughs> Um, so this comes from Matt. We got it a couple of weeks ago. It came after you said you would not trade Al Horford for Thaddeus Young and the white guard on the Bulls. Sadoransky? Yeah, used to be on the Wizards, right. I couldn't help myself. Why on earth would anyone be hesitant to make the Thad trade that was proposed on the last pod? I have to run these types of trades by my friends, and almost all the time you get one person saying, eh, or no. I simply do not understand it. Mike, why aren't you jumping on a simple yes anytime someone offers a potential trade for Horford? You're saving money, getting a guard, replacing a backup big with an actual backup, and mm-hmm. most, Im- most importantly, you're off both contracts in one less year. What am I missing? I'm sorry, but if you think if you or anyone thinks 
we're not getting equal value in a trade like that, you're sadly mistaken. That is equal value. Horford stinks and must go at any cost. I'm sorry if this came off as brash. Both of you stay safe and healthy. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think I think Thad on this team is like pretty useless. He's he's old and he does the same things that Tobias does, but worse. Um, who like who's he playing with? He's not he's not a guy that's taking threes very quickly either. So Thad, I think, is essentially just like another like added. To, we have like we have like we right now we have no vegetables and like sixteen bags of chips. Like Thad is just more chips. Like we don't need more chips. Um, and Sadoransky's good, but I think. Well, I mean, you're replacing you're you replacing a guy. Dribble. Yeah, but I think there's guys that you can get to do that without being like, okay, backup center once again. It's like constantly just like slapping yourself in the face or like punching yourself in the nuts. Like, which way are you going to do it? Like, you can you don't have to do either, but in either direction, you're just like the Sixers insist on doing it. And so I don't think that trading Horford for Thad and Sadoransky, I don't think it raises their ceiling at all. Mm, I think it lowers their floor because. Then you, when Embiid sits for, let's be twenty games a season, who's your starting center? What are we doing? I I don't think Horford's great anymore for sure, um, but I think like we so quickly just run through guys and change things all the time, and like it just hasn't worked. Sometimes you gotta like take a second and be like, look, was this perfect? No, but trading him to like once again bring up a new problem isn't the way to solve it. A final email from Joe, and this isn't a question, but it's a very important email. Um, Hi, Spike, Mike, Zoe, and company. Joe Yamula here. I'm a longtime listener, and we've actually met at some live Ricky events as well as Fly the Process Minnesota. After the embarrassment of the first-round sweep, I needed to take some time to cleanse all things Sixers for my life. Despite my adoration for the pod, that meant I also took a break from listening for a few weeks. As you can understand, sometimes a full Sixers detox is necessary for mental and physical well-being. We don't get that opportunity, Joe. Yep. So we're here yep. providing for the people on different walk schedules and pee schedules and yep. length but, of walk and everything. But we we're are still the, doing it. We're the constant. Yep. Anyway, after a long road trip to Maine it brought me back to the pod, audiobooks were putting me to sleep. I started listening to the episode that discussed Joel's baby, coaching search, and of course, the great debate of sitting versus standing. As you dove into the debate, I suddenly felt like my entire life, an entire way of living was put into question. I'm 25, I have a college degree, I have a full-time job, I've gone through plenty of personal crises, but none like this. Full disclosure, I've always stood to wipe. I never saw myself as a rebel or anything like that, it's just what I did, it's all I knew. Suddenly I'm realizing how impractical this has been, and I've begun to question how and why I was ever able to formulate a thought like, you know, sitting just makes sense. Try that, Joe. Through my years standing, the process of sitting feels unnatural and awkward, but I'm adapting. I know that this is what's right. So why is it so challenging to execute? It's always a daunting task to look at your life and examine what you do and how you do it and why you do it. But that's why I've done. But that's why I've done and simply cannot believe I've lived so much of my life standing in the dark. <laughs> Also turn the lights on. Yep. Trying to turn the fucking PSA about stand, sitting down and also having lights on when you should. Well, you gotta be, you gotta be able to look like we learned from Terry, our emailer. Got trying it. to transition to sitting has been similar to trying to learn how to throw a baseball with my non-dominant hand. The realization the realization that I've been doing something wrong for so long keeps me motivated to endure <laughs> the struggle and learn how to wipe when I sit. So th- thanks, Spike and Mike. I appreciate you getting me thinking about the things that matter in life. By the way. 
If Josh Harris set up a meeting to pitch the Sixers to Doc Rivers, how do you think he would try to impress him? I imagine he would cater a dinner and take him for a ride on a helicopter submarine Tesla hybrid. My Sixers hiatus is up. Thanks for the great wiping debate of 2020. Take yeah. care, guys. Can't wait for the next pod. Cheers. Welcome back. Welcome back. If, if as many people are emailing us to let us know that they are now wiping sitting down, yep. would also appreciate any emails you have about being you know, registered to vote. Yeah. <laughs> Anything helpful. You could do my both. Sister, you could do both. That's fine. Uh, my sister just changed her the county that she's registered to vote in. Mm. She's now Montgomery County. Mm. Um, any, send them in. Do what yep. you got to do. Figure out your wiping schedule, figure out your voting schedule, all of it. It's all important to democracy and the health and well-being of your uh, bathroom rug. It doesn't have shit all over it. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> we'll talk to you Saturday. Are you now a TTP? Yeah, you know. Lick face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me... Then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then won't, I won't fuck, fuck with you. you. If you don't fuck with me, then, then I, I won't, I won't fuck, fuck, with fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Thanks for playing